Uh, thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you, students, for being here. If you've been here for the first time, my life was radically changed as an ECU college student. And I stumbled in this church as a sophomore, uh, and I met Jesus and saw men and women um, who loved the Lord, who led their families, uh, and who followed him through every season of life. And I knew if I stayed here, I'd grow. And so I want to make that commitment to you, college students, high school students. Uh, if you want to grow in your relationship with the Lord, and you're serious about that, if you'll plug in, I promise you'll grow. We're here for you. We want to see you fulfill God's call in your life. Amen? We're in the middle of a series we're calling Understanding Your Assignment. Understanding Your Assignment. Now, if you've missed a few weeks, that's okay. It's your first Sunday. You're, I'm going to catch you up, and, and this sermon will stand alone. But I might just kind of give us a review to kind of give us some context. And so we, we talked the first week about our assignment in light of the coming of God in the flesh, Jesus. That if Jesus is God and he died for our sins and rose from the dead and sits at the right hand of God, then how should we be living our lives? And that's a complex kind of question, right? There's some nuances to that. And so Jesus gives us some, some metaphors, some analogies. And so we saw week one that as we wait for Jesus, that we have something to do. That we're not in a waiting room, we're in a, a business room. We're in, we're in, that God has invested in us and he's wanting us to and take that investment and push it out into creation for the good of all humanity and the glory of God. That he's invested in us and we now take that investment, the forgiveness of sins, the, the imputed righteousness of God, the adoption of sons and daughters, and we're supposed to push that out into the world, into our marriages, into our families, into our careers, into society for the glory of God and for the good of all mankind. And we saw that. We're not in a waiting room. We're, we're business investors. That's what Jesus said. That was his analogy, not mine. And then it, we saw that he wasn't just, we're not just in a waiting room, we're in a training room, that what we're doing in this life has eternal ramifications. It's not wasted, that if we're cleaning or we're um, building businesses or we're creating uh, manufacturing things, that, that those things, I don't understand it all and can't, can't completely wrap my head around it, but those things have eternal impact. That's what Jesus said. If you will take what I've invested in you and you'll invest it well, you'll have eternal reward. So what we're doing in this life matters. Week two, we saw that agriculture, we saw a picture that, that God brings the rain and that if our soils is cultivated and we receive the rain of his presence and the rain of his glory, that we'll bear fruit in this life. Fruit's not for the life to come. It's for this life that you would produce something this side of heaven for the glory of God. And last week we looked at a race of endurance that we have been, uh, we are, and, and I use this analogy, we have uh, a relay race that we've been past a baton of faith and the gospel and that we're running a race that I can't run your race. I've run my college race, college students. It was lots of fits and starts and falls, but I ran it for the glory of God. Now, I can't run your race. You, only you can run your race, but I can encourage you. I can strengthen you. I can equip you. I can call out destiny in you. And so you have to run your race, and it's going to be hard. But we looked at last week that this is a relay race that somebody before you has handed you something that you didn't have. 
the message of the gospel and the power of the gospel, this seed implanted in your heart, working itself out. And so we focused on this relay race that we've been giving this baton. But this morning, I want to focus that we're not just running a race with a baton, but we're passing a baton to the next generation. Do we understand that, that we're passing the baton? Let's look at what Jesus said about that. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 19, verse 13 through 15. Matthew 19, verse 13 through 15. Then children were brought to him that he might lay his hands on them and pray. The disciples rebuked the people. But Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and went away. And then we'll look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. Paul, speaking to Timothy, you then my child, and we're back into children here, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. We get this picture. We get this picture from these two passages that Something has been handed to us that we've received a faith. We've received a revelation that Jesus loves me no matter what I've done. And he'll change me from the inside out. That I don't work my way to heaven. I don't work so that he loves me. That he loves me freely, unconditionally. And they prove that love by dying on the cross for me. And we receive that by faith. Which means... This morning that if we're holding on to something is more precious than him, then he can't give us what we really need. And so we, we've received it, but we see here that we're stewards of something. That the kingdom of God belongs to such as these, these little ones that eventually, and this is where maybe the, the metaphor falls short, is that once I pass the baton, I'm not done. God reproduces batons, right? I'm passing a baton to the next generation. I still got a race to run, don't we? Amen? But I'm also passing something to the next generation. Someone behind me. And the kingdom of God belongs to them. And so here's my point this morning that we'll unpack. One of our main assignments as followers of Jesus is to help the next generation carry forth the kingdom of God in our place. We'll say that again. One of our main assignments as followers of Jesus is to help the next generation carry forth the kingdom of God in our place. We realize that the, uh, David, King David said this, the psalmist, he said, it would be wise for you to consider the length of your days. College students, you're at, you're at the end of your first quarter. I don't know if you realize that. People like me, we're at halftime. Some of you are going into the fourth quarter. Amen. And so what, do, what are we going to do with what we've been entrusted? Are we setting up the next generation to run further and farther than we have? Yesterday, I was hanging out with my son. We were talking about soccer because my daughter's in a soccer tournament this weekend. He, he looks at me and goes, I'm going to be a better soccer player than you. You know what my response is? I sure hope so, right? I hope you do. I hope you stand on my shoulders and you do further than I ever went. Amen? And I'm passing something along so that they can go further, setting them up for victory. 
So my point number one as we break uh, out this, this point is that the kingdom of God belongs to the next generation. And they will and should carry it sooner than you think they should. I'll say that again. The kingdom of God belongs to the next generation. And they will and should carry it sooner than you think they should. I just read to you 2 Timothy. I'm going to read Acts 2, 39. It says, for the promise of the spirit and the gospel is for you and your children and all who are far off. There's a longevity to this that we, we can't forget. That we're being passed something and we have to pass that on for you and your kids and all who are long, far long off. We see in 1 Timothy 4.12, let no one despise you for your youth. Paul handed the baton of a church at Ephesus and he said, I want you to lead this church. And he was so young that he said, but don't let people despise you because you're young. But set an example for the believers in speech and conduct and life and love and impurity. What's my point this morning? I'm, here's my point. Jesus has and will continue to use young people to push forward the kingdom of God. Do you realize that Mary was 13 when she carried the Messiah in her womb? She wasn't ready. She's 13. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were teenagers in the greatest kingdom the world had ever seen at the time, Persia, Babylon, and they had to stand for righteousness, teenagers. And God said, I'm going to use them. They're not ready. Timothy evidently was too young to lead a church. Everybody else thought so. And Paul said, don't look down. Don't let them look down on you. Most theologians believe the disciples were anywhere from 13 to 30, putting the majority of them as late teenagers and early 20s. These were uneducated, untrained men, but were with Jesus and shook the world. See, God uses young people for his kingdom and his glory. Here's my encouragement to us parents, is that we have to raise the next generation for the glory of God by his grace I think about, and forgive me, I can go to military terms a lot, but I think about BUDS training. If those who go through to become a Navy SEAL who go through these Navy SEAL training, right? It's very intense. But in BUDS training, those officers, if we take that out of context, we just watch these officers and what they're doing to these men in training, we'd say, this is abuse. This is wrong. Look at that, they're dragging them through the sand. How could they do that? They're saying bad things to them, right? Y'all have seen the videos, right? I'm the only one that's seen this? So we got to talk, okay? I can't be the only one talking, all right? I'm going to talk, and if y'all like what I say, do this. If you don't, just say, I don't like that. That's okay. I'll talk to that too. I'd rather have that than nothing, all right? And so we're talking, and they're doing this training. We look in context. We're like, this is not right. But then we see context, and we say, these men and women are going into situations that if we don't put them through hell here, then they won't make it through hell there. And so we're preparing them. We're seeing what's coming and we're preparing them now. Parents, 
Life is hard. We have to prepare our kids for what's coming. I don't know what's coming. I hope it's not hard, but experience tells me otherwise. And so I'm going to help my kids develop and have resiliency. And here's the psalmist of David, right? The Lord is my shepherd, right? Lots of green pastures, lots of quiet waters. And this is where we try to live. But if we follow that psalmist, it is, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he didn't say, and God didn't take me through the valley of the shadow of death. <laughs> the valley of the shadow of death is coming for every believer. I just, it is. I haven't met one who hasn't gone through it. And so if we don't train the next generation to walk, Jesus said, I'll be with you through the valley of the shadow of death. That's the promise. But it's coming. And so if we rescue the next generation from every trial and every tribute and we make it easy, when it gets hard, they're disillusioned. Well, I didn't expect this. It's coming, baby. And because I love you, I'm going to walk with you through it. But let's not just get, yes, I'm talking about kids here. But you're like, I'm a middle schooler. I don't have kids. Yes, you're right. But what about those elementary school kids that are looking up to you? They're going to be in where you are right now in a couple years. Do you see them like the disciples as a distraction? Can y'all just go away? We're trying to do real business here. What about high schoolers? Are you looking down and seeing these middle schoolers come into a counter, like cramping your style, right? Can we get our own room so they can go away, right? 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 I've been there. And you need your own room at times, but you need to go back to the room you came for, remember what it was like to be there, and call them up. Are we going to look at the sixth graders stepping up on Step Up Sunday, right? As my son would call it, Kick Back Sunday. Uh, No, son. It's Kick Off. I kick back, kick off, we're going. We're not relaxing. Kick back. Maybe you're a college student here and you forgot what it was like to be in high school, right? To look back and say, you can live for the Lord. Watch me as I stumble through college for the glory of God. Reaching back. Maybe you're an upperclassman speaking like, I I am the man I am today, in part because an upperclassman looked down at me in my freshman stumbling self and spoke life into me. And when I fell down, he picked me up and, and just encouraged me and drug me to where I needed to be. Amen? Amen? If you're a young professional realizing that when you step out of college, that transition is real. It's like real life is here. And you've walked through it. Can you help them? Step down. The things that you've heard me say in the presence of witnesses entrust to faithful men so that they can teach others also what Jesus has given you, what little revelation you have. Pass it along and I promise you what you have, more will be given. That's what's awesome about this passage with Jesus is when Luke and Mark refer to this and they say, um, if you don't receive the kingdom of God like these kids, you can't enter it. Because these kids will give you revelation of who I am in the kingdom of God. As you help them, they help you. Parents know this. 
As they pour into their kids, they realize, it's helping me. I can't just tell him to read my Bible. I'm not reading my Bible, right? I can't just say, you got to be nice to your siblings, and I hate mine. Oh, snap. Oh, snap. Jesus, help us. Right? So that as we pour into the next generation, they're helping us follow him. They're mirrors, baby. I can't talk about it too much. David gives us a great picture of this with his kids. And one of them, Absalom, tried to overthrow his kingdom. And it said that after that kind of rebellion was quelled, it said that Absalom had no children. And so he raised up a monument to himself. And we have uh, an, uh, an opportunity because David raised up Solomon and set him up not to raise a monument to himself, but to build a temple for the glory of God. And we have an, uh, an opportunity. Will we build a monument to ourselves? Or will we set up the next generation to build a temple for the glory of God? David personified that. And I'm not just talking about natural children here. You're like, Blake, I'm done. I'm retired, baby. They're, they got their own kids. You have a part to play to reach back to others who have gone before you, uh, behind you and help them enter those transitions well. All right, number two, are we helping or hindering the next generation to get close to Jesus? Are we helping or hindering the next generation to get close to Jesus? And again, I'm not just talking about kids here. Think about your season of life and those coming behind you. I pray that, that you as a college student, when you step off with your diploma, that you'll look beside, behind you and say, the kingdom of God has a greater impression on this campus by the glory of God because I was here. I used to, we used to go on, um, go on these trips with my family. Y'all probably done this too, where you've packed and you start loading bags by the door. You get all your bags by the door and then eventually you're gonna take them to the car, right? Maybe you're going to the beach or the mountains. And when my kids were young, you know, we'd pack toys and food and we'd go get some more stuff and we'd come back and those bags that we had packed would slowly become unpacked. Right, they'd start taking the toys out. Oh, I hadn't seen this toy forever. I hadn't seen this game. They start setting it up. And I remember sitting down, you know, from time to time, like, are you, we're trying to get to the beach. Do you want to go to the beach? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I want to go to the beach. Are you helping or hindering us getting to the beach? I'm hindering. Yes. <laughs> right? And so what we're doing, are we helping or hindering the next generation get where God's calling them to be? And that's, that's the question we're asking here. Here's the thing. These disciples aren't bad people. Have y'all noticed this story? The, the kids just want to get to Jesus. These horrible people won't let the kids get to Jesus. But if you're a disciple, this wasn't the first time you were a gatekeeper to Jesus, right? No, you can't get to Jesus. Go sit back down. You know, they're having to kind of decide who gets Jesus' time. And they deemed in this moment, you guys can't have it. You're too young. Baby, what are babies going to do? They can't hear what's going on. They can't understand. Jesus is talking in parables. They don't understand, right? We can't even understand. They're not, definitely not understanding, 
And so the babies are trying, these young kids are trying to get to Jesus, but he hinder, they hinder them. Now, the word here is, do, Jesus says is, do not hinder the, ki- the children from coming to me. Hindering is kind of an insidu- insidious term, is it not? It means proceeding in a gradual or subtle way, but with harmful effects. It's not like forbidden. Nobody comes to Jesus. No, it's, it's hindering them. We throw obstacles in their way. We keep the next generation from hearing the gospel. And this is, don't do it, he, Jesus said. How can we hinder the next generation from getting close to Jesus? Well, we do it when we have a short-term versus a long-term view of the kingdom. That's what the disciples are like. No, we got to get some, we got to get this healing line up, right? If we don't hurry up this healing line, we're not going to get dinner. That's what these disciples are doing. They're like, kids are going to be a distraction. They don't really get it. Move them to the side. Let's get the real ministry moving. We have a short term. But Jesus said, do you realize that the kingdom of God belongs to such as these? It will be passed to them at some point. And if they haven't met me, how can they carry it? When we don't prioritize the presence of Jesus in our homes and in our lives, how can we pass, right, what we're not modeling? When we don't live out authentic faith, when we're different here than we are at home. I'm not saying perfection here, y'all. We, my son's right here. Right? He knows who I am. But what it does mean is that when I fail, I'm honest about it. I show him how to repent. I tell my wife, I'm sorry, a lot. Right? I'm not fooling her. Oh, that was a great message. It doesn't sound like you do anything you say, but it was really good delivered. No, I've got to live this out just like you. So I'm not saying you've got to be perfect. No, you just have to follow Jesus. And when you fall, you get up. Hey, I fell. Right? And you get your brothers around you and you and you move together. We're we're not looking for perfection, we're looking for progress. Right? If I keep telling my wife I'm sorry every time and nothing changes, she's gonna get disillusioned with me. (laughs) Not perfection, guys. Because part of following Jesus is applying the gospel to ourselves. We are broken vessels. Amen? That he is healing, has healed, and is healing. He's broken me free, and he's breaking me free. Amen? That's that's basic theology right there. That's gospel 101. You're more wicked than you imagined, and more loved than you ever dared hope at the same time. That's the gospel. We hinder the next generation, when we see those younger than us as a waste of time. Youth, do you see those younger than you as a waste of time? When we dishonor them with our words, that generation Z, whoever they are, they're just horrible. They're the worst. So much worse than your generation, really? Are we counting here? Right, we all have our issues culturally. And generationally, 
And so when we badmouth it, are you kidding me? God used you. He can use anybody. Amen? Number three, how do we advocate for the next generation? We, we can talk about how we hinder. I've hindered a lot, right? But how do we advocate for the next generation to get close to Jesus? Because it says the children were brought to him. It didn't say the children were like, I think I need to get to Jesus. Some, somebody dragged that child to Jesus. Advocated. Hey, they need to get to Jesus. That kid probably didn't want to go. Right? The hidden heroes of these stories are those bringing others to Jesus. Here's the answer. How do we advocate? Number one, we have an authentic, growing relationship with Jesus, that we are authentic disciples of Jesus. Jack Kiriak, I don't know if I said his name right, and this is what he says, a man cannot impart the true feeling of things to others unless he himself has experienced what he is trying to tell. I cannot pass along something I haven't tasted for myself. That means that we have to continue to follow that this is a fluid thing. This isn't a thing. Oh, I did that. No. Are you doing that? We cannot pass to others what we have not experienced ourselves. What you leave behind is what is engraved, sorry, is not what is engraved in stone monuments, but is woven into the lives of others. Pericles. That's why we're taking serious our growth track here at this church. We want to give you all the resources you need so that you can raise up another generation. And again, I'm not talking about kids. I'm not young professionals and college students that you would raise up another generation of college students, another generation of high school students, another generation of young professionals that we would reach down, another generation of young parents who follow after Jesus. We're gonna need help doing that. Amen. We need to be trained. This is why we're starting a, a class on September 21st, Wiki Church. Y'all remember Wikipedia? Still own that thing, right? I've even given them some money from time to time. Y'all ever done that? They want money? Like, we're trying to make this free. I'm like, I have used this a lot, you know. <laughs> Here's $2. Right, Wiki Church, what is it? It's everybody adds to it. It blew up, came out of nowhere. Why? Because everybody was investing. You know how the church will grow and has it grown throughout history? Not by these one individuals who've done great things, but the church, all of us doing something. So how do we invest? You're going to learn. We're going to do three weeks in September, starting on September 21st, every Wednesday night at 6.30, between worship nights. How do we make disciples? How do we engage, establish, equip, and empower the next generation? Second answer, not only do we need to be authentic, growing disciples of Jesus, we need to make room. I was at a conference this summer for um, lead pastors, and one of the, 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 the phrases that kept kind of reverberating and echoing in my soul was that we've got to make room. We've got to make room for God, and we've got to make room for those coming after us to invest in them. We're so packed full of things to do. We're, we're so busy, that we don't have time to sit before the Lord. We don't have time to, to calm our minds and our hearts. And we definitely don't have time to look behind us and say, who's coming after us? We've got to make room. Making room. 
means this. Making room means time and attention. How do you spell love to a kid? T-I-M-E. Right? Quality moments happen because there's quality of time there. Quantity of time, excuse me. Quality moments with the next generation happen because there's a quantity of time there to, lay, to drop down their guard, to be honest. Time and attention. Look, think about you high school students walking down the hall, seeing that freshman where you were last year and knowing what they're going through and what's going through their mind, looking them in the eye, smiling at them, saying, how's it going? How much that might mean to them. How much something from an upperclassman acknowledging you exist might help you out, right? Maybe give you some social cred. College students, when you see that first-year student trying to find their way, literally and figuratively, hey, where you, you, don't, you look like you don't know where you're going. Let me help you, right? Helping them find their way. Parents, setting aside time to be with our kids and demanding attention from them. Oh, this is where the fight begins, baby. Because attention, as y'all know, in, in our society is a commodity that the digital world is trying to get from us. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just the reality. So we're going to have to fight at home so that we have attention from our kids. They might not like that. That means putting your devices away at the dinner table or when you come in or at a certain time of night. I'm sorry, high school students. I'm just trying to help you succeed in life. I don't say, look, I don't want to go back. I love my phone. I love it. I know y'all think I hate it. I don't. I don't ever want to go back. Okay? But I also don't want to be a slave and miss the moments that God has for me. So, yeah, we've got to walk in balance there. We're going to have an opportunity in this house to make room for the next generation because we're going to have to do some upfitting to this building and, and give some room for our kids to play and to, to enjoy and be around Jesus and be around the people of God. All of it. Did y'all know that a young person the best chance they have to have a resilient faith throughout their life is if they have seven relationships with non-youth, seven adult relationships other than their parents. That's a lot. Well, I don't have kids. You can be one of those seven. Amen? Well, what are you doing? We're making room. It's going to cost Money, resources, the, the disciples knew the more people take up Jesus' time, the less time he has for us. Time is a resource. It's going to take investment financially to invest in the next generation. We're going to have opportunities to do that. Relationship, discipleship isn't just about me sitting down with someone and teaching them the Bible. It's about doing life with them. It's about playing soccer. It's about playing wiffle ball. It's about... God help us trying to figure out what this, how to win in this video game. It's going to take time. It's going to take resources. It's going to take relationship. And the last thing we see here is that it takes an impartation in prayer. What do these people want from the next generations to get them around Jesus? Let me just help us. If Jesus isn't the goal, we're in trouble. Yeah. 
Can we get them to Jesus so that he might touch them? I still remember as a high school student, my friend drugged me to a meeting where God was moving. It was weird. It was weird. I never forgot it because I knew the presence of God was there. And if God's real and he's moving on people, what about me? It began to stir my search for God. I still remember my college roommate who was an underclassman and I would drag him to prayer meetings. And when I talked to him to this day, he said, remember when you used to drag me to these prayer meetings? They were weird. <laughs> and I'll never forget them because I encountered God. His father helps financially support me because of those prayer meetings. Because man, my son wavered in his faith and when he came to ECU, he caught fire for God. I'll give to that. Those moments are real. Here's what we realized this morning as we close. Well, this, I'm, I'm getting ready to close. There's a difference. All right. <laughs> Look, any change in your home and in your life is going to meet resistance. And so if these things aren't even there and you start to move towards those things, expect resistance. Don't get surprised by it. Don't get offended by it. Right? When we try to make change in a culture, maybe it's a home culture, maybe it's a family culture, maybe it's a campus culture, expect resistance. We can't think because it's hard, we must, we're doing it wrong. Consistency. Just consistency. Continuing to do the same things. Lord, I don't see, you know, my kids don't love when I talk. You know, they don't want to sit around the table and talk to me, right? Whatever the scenario. That's okay. We're going to be consistent. We're going to show up. We're going to do it. And then see the tide turn. Expect resistance. Here's the reality that Mark, I think I said this earlier, Mark and Luke, when they record this little moment with Jesus and the kids, they said, they say this, the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And if, if, you don't receive the kingdom like a child, like these kids, you won't enter it. The kingdom of God is something we don't work for. The love of God, the justice of God, the righteousness of God is not something we conjure up. It's something we receive by faith. Guys, I'm gonna tell you, you can be the worst person in this room. Jesus Christ loves you right where you are. Well, you don't know. I don't have to know. You know why? Because when I look and I see Jesus on the cross, this is what he said, forgive them for they know not what they do. That he would take your place. He would take my place so that we might know the Father and have a relationship with Jesus. I'm going to tell you, that's good news. But some of us are holding on to something else so hard that we can't receive it. It's funny when you've got something good and a kid's got something bad, 
Just give it to me. Unless you receive it like a child. You've got to let go of what you're holding on to. That thing that promises you happiness and never delivers. Promise, oh, it is better this time. You didn't do it right. If you do it this way, you'll be happy. And you, you keep doing it, you keep doing it. You keep, it never brings you happiness. The kingdom of God, the, the love of God. Man, when it touches your soul, even uh, Trish was talking about this, once you've encountered the presence of God, you can't go back. I mean, you might try. And then you're like, man, this is garbage compared to the love of God. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, I thank you for every individual in this room I ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would come and meet them right where they are. Some of us in this room have been holding on to something so tightly that we can't receive what God wants to give you. And I just feel like the Lord wants us this morning, if that's you, that you've got to be willing to lay that down because what he has is so much better for you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you this morning, you're saying, Blake, I've been holding on to something and I need to let go. If that's you, I want, to, I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Amen. Amen. Anyone else? Man, you can put your hands down. Just right where you are, between you and the Lord, because this is what this is about. Jesus and you. Say, Father, forgive me for holding on to this and counting it as more important than you. I give it to you today. Fill me with your love and your strength, the power of your Holy Spirit this morning. For the rest of us in this room, I want to commission you. I want you to take this baton and not just run with it, but start preparing those behind you to carry it while you're gone. College students, high school students, young adults, grandparents. Blake, I need to make a fresh commitment to raise up the next generation. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Amen. Put your hand down. Father, I thank you for those who you've touched this morning. I just commission them in the name of Jesus that you would strengthen them. Give them your spirit. Lord, walk with them, King Jesus. Lord, help them to see those behind them not as distractions, not as a waste of time, but bearers of the kingdom of God. Lord, help us this morning to be a church 
Not, not just the leadership, but everyone in this church, Lord, loves and cares for and invests in the next generation. That this house will be full of children and youth and college students, Lord. We wanna be a part of what you're doing in this generation, Lord. Help us make room. Help us make room in our schedules. Help us make room in our budgets. Help us make room, Lord, to invest in the next generation, Lord. Lord, we ask this in your holy name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand to our feet this morning as we close. Thank you for being with us. If you've made a commitment to Jesus, maybe recently, to this morning or, or the last couple of weeks, we're gonna have a baptism in September. You can sign up for it on the app. All of our life groups and all of our various um, ministries are on there. There'll be more information to come about our growth track starting on September 21st. You can find it on our app or our website, or social media. So glad you're here with us this morning. Amen? Yes, sir. Isn't God good? Yes, he is. Amen. You guys have an amazing day. We'll see you next week.